Hello and welcome to the St Mark's MK podcast. We are a small community in Milton Keynes growing in faith as disciples of Jesus while showing love and sharing hope to all our neighbours. Thank you for joining our village. We hope this conversation about building a life of peace and meaning helps you. It will make much more sense if you use these episodes as conversation starters with others and see where the grace of God leads you. student i had a job for a little while at burger star it was the best by far uh, it was a premium product served by first class staff to a discerning customer according to the handbook uh, not long after i started working there uh, we moved on we didn't just sell burgers anymore we also sold pizzas so we all had to have this training and at the training we were told you know which pizzas we were selling what toppings would be on each pizza how much of which topping and then how to push it through this pizza oven The guy that was running the training turned to me and said, Paul, what I want you to understand with pizzas is this. Less is more. And I looked at him with this 19-year-old understanding of the world with this kind of mind blown, but without wanting to lose my job, thinking, in what world is less more? In what world would you be at all restrained with mozzarella cheese, chorizo, pepperoni, and tomato sauce on a pizza? Surely more is better. Minimalist Rose Lunsbury asks in her TED talk, how many towels do you need? (laughs) It was a TED talk all about her awakening to the fact that she had also bought into the lie that more is more, that more stuff is better. It's what uh, Australian pastor and thinker Mark Sayers talks about when he says, we want in our culture, in our time, so many of us want the kingdom without the king. It's what he says, the kingdom is a place of safety, of protection, of favour, of blessing, of bounty, of feasting, of delight. This is the kingdom. It's how we might think of the world that we want to create. It's what we might think of maybe heaven. It's how we think of a place of safety. It's what we think of as a good, safe, great place. It's paradise. We want that kingdom, he says, but we don't want the king, Jesus being the king. And if you've chosen to remove the king from the kingdom, you still have to put something in that place of royalty. You have to get your fulfillment from your safety given to you by your protection awarded to you by something else or someone else. You become the kingmaker and you decide what goes in the place of the king that you've rejected. You could spend a couple of seconds on Google and you could read all kinds of brilliant things from many, many different walks of life that talk about how our society is coming to terms with the kingdom without the king. You could look at it from an advertising perspective and you would be able to read some fascinating articles about how adverts used to tell you what the product was and what it did, but now adverts tell you and evoke within you a feeling, a sensation that you will experience if you use this product, a status in society that you will achieve if you are seen with this product, a level of fulfillment that you will gain if you just have this product. You could read about uh, domestic architecture and how our houses and homes and flats and domestic spaces are now so much bigger than they were a couple of generations ago. At the same time, our family units, the sizes of our families are smaller than they were a couple of generations ago. Yet we need this extra space for all of our stuff. You could read about manufacturing and the 
planned obsolescence of product. That, that means that it's built into the product that it's gonna stop working in a little bit of time and you'll need to buy a new one, hello mobile phone. Or that you will buy the product but then it, that product, it won't seem that important to you after a while. And although the product is obsolete, it doesn't really matter that much to the people that made it because they've already got your money. You could read about it from a macroeconomic perspective and you could see how countries want the GDP growth, that's how we measure the success, the value of a country is GDP. Uh, you could see how countries want that to increase by 3% year on year on year and if it doesn't, there's some kind of problem and politically that needs to be rescued. We need more stuff, more growth. You could read about the human cost of our consumptions. You could read about scientists who estimate that it would take five planet Earths to sustain the resources required to provide an American style lifestyle to every person on the planet. You could read about how some countries are ravaged by people who are dying because they don't have enough to eat, where other countries, their biggest problem is that people are killing themselves by overeating. You could read about how some people are trapped as slaves in factories making clothes which they know will only last weeks because of the what? Because of the planned obsolescence in the manufacturing process. It's just fast fashion. It's only supposed to last a few weeks. It's supposed to fill your wardrobe with stuff that you might want and it might give you fulfillment if the promise of fulfillment from stuff was ever true. You might be able to read it from a counseling perspective and read articles about something they call in unipolar depression. It's just rampant among the Western culture and it's this unremitting feeling of lowness or sadness or depression for no specific or discernible reason. People turn up at the psychiatrist's chair and say literally this, I have everything I've ever wanted. I want for nothing and yet I still am not happy. What is that? You could read about brand addiction. You could read about children and teenagers that kill themselves because they haven't got the right trainers or the correct phone. You could read about politicians whose greatest concern at the moment is not stopping all the unnecessary deaths caused by coronavirus. It's restarting the economy. How do we beat this thing? Well, we shop, we buy more. That's how we restart it. You could read about all this stuff and more, but you don't need to because you know it. Your soul already knows it. Think about it right now, from where you're watching this. Could you reach out and within two steps, could you lay your hands on something in your home which you have neither admired or used in the last month? It's just there. How long would it take maybe if you were to pause this for you to wander around your flat, your room that you live in, the house that, you, that you're in, uh, to find something that once you thought was gonna be the next best thing, that once you were so excited about buying, that maybe you saved up for, that you thought that you showed off to your friends, that you thought this was gonna be the best outfit, the best gadget, whatever, and it's now gathering dust, or it's now out of battery, but you haven't bothered charging it again because you don't need it. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're moving house or you're clearing out a room or a garage and it takes you forever. Why? Because you find these things that live in your house, your small house, you find all these things that you had completely forgotten that you even owned. And it takes you back on this memory journey. You're like, wow, when did I even buy that? That's right, this seems so important just two years ago. 
Have you ever had one of those moments where you've been going to a party at a friend's house, people who already like you and love you for who you are, and you try on an outfit, but then that outfit for some reason doesn't work, and so you try on another one, and after a little while you have a pile of clothes on your bed the same height as you, but you're still left frustrated staring in the mirror, and you eventually yell out, I've got nothing to wear! Jesus was teaching one day and he was teaching about the way of Christ. He was teaching about the narrow road that leads to life. He was teaching about the way of God. And he was explaining that some people would hear this teaching and they would embrace fully the way of Jesus. They would get it and they would do it. Some other people would hear this teaching and they would just wander away. They would reject it completely. Then there are these other categories. And one of these other categories is people who love this teaching, love what Jesus says, love this apparent win that they get from this king and his kingdom and they get off to a great start but it's a false start and they very quickly get tripped over by a couple of other things and these are the things that he mentions the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things that's what jesus says trips them up the deceitfulness of wealth and their desires for other things what's really interesting to me is Uh, If you go online and if you research and read about and read the blogs of a few minimalists, you'll see this pattern. This is what I've observed. That each minimalist, and they will instruct you and help you and guide you on creating a a capsule wardrobe or a 10-item wardrobe or clearing the clutter from your house or creating clean spaces or using the lines or only having things in your house which are uh, uh, beautiful or useful. Uh, All this brilliant advice. But none of them started off on just a a kind of a clutter fest. It was, uh, if you like, a spiritual awakening, a soul awakening where something deeply within them suddenly realized that even though they had so much stuff, they were not happy. There was a profound difference between the stuff that they owned and the joy that they experienced. And so they begin to declutter. They begin to simplify. They begin to reject the lie, the deceit that the stuff will buy you fulfillment. And so they go on this journey and they start to declutter wardrobes and houses and things. And then they don't describe as their end point. I mean, of course they describe, oh, it's great. I live in a house that is clutter free. But also they speak in a spiritual language and many of them wouldn't call themselves spiritual in any religious way. They say, but my, I found freedom somehow. I found this love of justice somehow. I found a care for neighbor somehow. I discovered time to spend with family and friends. I realized that my mind was as cluttered as my house and I've been able to think about things which are actually important. So many of them, of them list byproducts of this simplification process in their homes. And as a result, they've been able to love other people more. They've been able to stand up for justice more. They've experienced grace and patience with their family more. They've written books that have helped other people. They've discovered generosity with their finances and been able to give to others in a way that they never were able to before. Does any of this stuff sound like Jesus stuff to you? This freedom, this joy, this generosity, this hopefulness, this neighbor love, this standing up for justice. And it all came for them from simplifying. Remember, our whole conversation at the moment is about building some scaffolding, putting into place a structure, building a trellis that will help us get to those things. I'm not concerned whether we become a community of minimalists. I don't think all of us should have white, clean lined surfaces with nothing on them. I think some of us should have 
piles of casserole dishes for when we invite people around and we have big feast tables, you know, when we're allowed to do that again. I think some of us should have paints and tools that we use to create things all over the joint. We should have board games and toys. We should have hobbies and interests. Our houses should be filled with different things, but maybe there is something about simplifying. Maybe there is something about me hoping that all the stuff I have or the next advert I believe in or the accumulation and the growth of what I own will buy me fulfillment. I have replaced the king of the kingdom. And maybe these minimalists, some Jesus followers, some not, maybe they've found something which I haven't got yet. And the simplification process enables them to dive deeper. It removes them and um, unentangles them from the deceitful trap of wealth and stuff. So here's a question for you and for the people that you're traveling with, whether that's in a Zoom room or whether it's in uh, just walk, going for a socially distanced walk with friends and having discussions which face towards Jesus. If you were to take a quick audit of where you live, have you got way too much stuff? Have you got things that you haven't touched in months? Have you got clothes that you haven't worn in seasons? Do you make impulse purchases regularly for things that you don't need, but you just want right in that moment? Is there a voice screaming at you right now saying, this is rubbish, you need to go out and shop and buy some fulfillment? If you were to stare back at that voice for a little while, what would you say to that voice? Have you a desire inside you to be more joyful, to be more grateful, to be more generous, to be more at peace, to have a less cluttered mind. Could it be that simplifying the stuff around us might be a way, a trellis, a piece of scaffolding to get that peace and that joy? Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going with friends and join us anytime. Have a look at stmarksmk.com to see what our village is getting up to. You're so welcome to join us. Until next time, be blessed by the giver of peace.